My name is Lori Eptegraft and I came to know Jesus in April of 2017 um, after attending True Grace Church for about two months and it was Pastor Peter as he was speaking I really heard and absorbed his message in words and I wanted to know more. I decided to be baptized to publicly declare my faith in Jesus. I was baptized as an infant, but that was my parents' choice. This is my adult choice to be baptized. My first recollection of being really involved in Jesus was uh, my dad had retired from the Air Force and we moved back to a house in Lakewood that they had been buying. And there was a little church on the corner right by them and they started a youth group. And so all the kids in the neighborhood that I'd kind of grown up with and my older brother and my older sister and I, we joined the youth group. And that was very formidable. It was a good experience, it was a personal experience, and uh, it lasted until now my whole life. So it was, it was a good walk with Jesus at that time. So, and being baptized now, in the middle 70s, they used to have revivals in Wrights Park in Tacoma. And I went, my older sister and I went, and I may have been baptized then. They had everybody come up to the stage, but I'm not sure, and I want to be sure. So, now is a good time. Uh, I'm Walker, and I came to know Jesus when I was very young, and I've kind of grown up in the church, but I feel like this year I've really grown to know Him a lot more, and I really just want to take that step, that further step in my faith to proclaim that I'm a follower of Jesus and show the world. Hello, I'm Annette Batiste Greeno, and I don't have a particular date. It's just something that's always been a part of me. And things happen, and I see how God is working, and so I tell myself I need to stand in the gap for my daughters and my granddaughters, and I felt so compelled to do it this time, so here I am. My name's Hunter, and I became a follower of Christ in 2019. It was at the beginning, and our church was, uh, what do you call it, we planned a baptism, but COVID hit, and so, yeah, but I feel like COVID was a great time, because I uh, really tested my faith, and I feel like I got a lot closer to God at that time. And I really want to get baptized to publicly declare my faith, and uh, really want to follow a life in Christ. And that is so awesome, isn't it? Just people getting baptized in water today. There's no, you know, I, well, I, could, I would, but, you know, but this, there's no excuses. Just like, no, I'm following Jesus. I'm going to get baptized. And so uh, it's fun to see that happening. Two more people got baptized last Sunday. Um, I just love to see God moving in churches and people making that decision. If you have never made a decision because you yourself have repented of your sins, and you want to serve God with your life. Uh, great that parents, you know, dedicate their children or help their kids. Maybe your parents baptize you when you're a kid, but the Bible says repent and be baptized, and it's hard to understand repentance when you're three. Um, you know, but as we kind of get older, we kind of realize, oh yeah, I know the condition of a human's heart, and I know what I'm capable of. And so if you've never made that decision on your own, let us know. We'll help you get baptized in water. It doesn't have to be in a river or a lake. It can be we have a baptistry inside. Uh, but we can help make that happen for you if you'd like to make that decision as well. I want to tell you um, <clears throat> real quick, uh, last uh, 4th of July, we had an outdoor service, and we had so much fun with it. Last summer, we were outside a lot because of air quality and COVID and everything. And so um, but we can meet indoors, and that's been going great. But we thought, you know what? We have another uh, Labor Day holiday coming up. So September 5th, there'll be one more big outside service, uh, worshiping God and creation. We have a beautiful lawn and a terrace to do that with. So doesn't look just awesome. I'm a bunch of patriotic people, man. I am hoping the Olympics bring some patriotism to our country. And there's seven other people that also believe that, all right? So 
I, I tell you what, uh, after 9-11, I just loved how many people were praying for America and how many people rallied to each other and the unity we had in our nation. I just pray for that today. So um, so September 5th, we're going to have an outdoor uh, live gathering, one big gathering at 10 a.m., and we'll talk about that all month of August so you don't forget about that. Another thing, a big thing that happened is um, because of COVID, so my friends in India, um, they said, you know, when someone gets COVID in India, and by the way, they didn't have nearly the resources to combat it that we did. You know what they did when they got COVID? They, uh, they did the same thing they had with any problem. They went to their pastor. And so I got this email saying pastors are dying of COVID in India left and right because when people get sick, they go to their pastor instead of their doctor or instead of isolation. And so in India, we've lost a lot of our pastors um, through just unfortunate, you know, unnecessary reasons, um, which has just really been hard. And as hard as it is on the church, it's even harder on that pastor's family. And so we have pastors, widows, and children uh, who lost uh, their, their husband, their father, or their pastor all at the same time. And uh, so we got a phone call about that. We decided to help out. $5,000 could set that family up. Um, 5000 American dollars could set them up for several years in their situation. And we, uh, we did a couple and then another and another. So we, we sponsored four pastors, widows, and their children. I think we have a few pictures of some more because li- literally I thought that was incredible. And then I had to call my friend back and say, actually, some more giving came in. We're going to adopt four more families. Another $20,000 came into True Grace. Now we have eight families. Um, and I just look at these kids, and I just kind of wonder, go to the next one, if you will. I look at some of those, those, those little kids, and I just wonder, like, what's that little girl's life going to be like? What's that little boy's life going to be like? They don't know that you gave. They don't know uh, that our church is a conduit, a blessing. You know, we obviously tithe and give here, but we do so much beyond here. And it's just someday you're going to get to heaven, all you guys that give to missions and all you guys that do things way beyond anything that we see here. You're going to one day see the evidence of that giving. And I just think it's beautiful that, you know, this kid may never know, you know, exactly who helped him out when his dad died. Um, But, you know, we got to be a part of an incredible thing there. So thank you for being a giver in your life. In our church, we are never going to just tell people, well, just tip if you want to. Don't worry about what the Bible says about 10% or or giving to God or tithing. We're going to challenge you. We're going to challenge you. Put God first in your giving. In fact, the Bible says clearly, like, put God very first in everything. And, you know, like the first fruits idea, like write the first check, make, make sure the first person that you give to um, is God, and then go pay your bills. And how I do that in my life is I actually have them take out my tithe before I ever see my paycheck because it's always, God's always number one because uh, I can't possibly, you know, do anything else with money before I give to him. And I just think that works well. Um, there's other ways to give. We have, um, my wife and I still write checks once in a while. She gave me, had a check this morning. She said, can I grab that and give that today? Um, because we have a box in the back. You can give that way. And so that's her tithe. I give mine right off the bat. And then she brings her tithe here, and we give that that way. You can use your bill pay. Uh, no fees with that. If you give through the website, that's fantastic. But there are some fees associated with that. And uh, we just cover those as a church. But thank you for putting God First, listen, can I challenge you? Like, make sure, like, before you give any money to a credit card company or, you know, the grocery store, give to God first. The very, very first thing you do when you get paid, give to God first and then just see how that affects your life. So let's pray. Lord, you created us. Jesus, you gave your life for our sins. And God, you know us and you see us at our worst. And yet somehow, God, you don't leave us and forsake us. You walk with us. You stand behind us. The moment we turn back to you, God, you're ready to welcome us. Um, God, we are so grateful for your forgiveness and your grace. Lord, this area of earthly money, um, I know, God, it will soon be, this opportunity will be gone. And Jesus, you said so clearly that it is a barometer of where we, we really stand with you. And God, what we really treasure in life. So God, we, we want you to know that we, we treasure, we honor, uh, we place our value, first of all, on you and then everything else. God, would you just take care of the needs of all the families in this church and God, the needs of the ministries of the church, uh, as many as they are. And God, thank you that we get to be part of miracles around the world, not just in Lacey. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Well, last week we were supposed to have our youth pastor, Brooke, come and speak uh, on the weekend. I invited her to speak because every time she prays or, or I hear her speak, I go, man, you really got a gift from God. You need to use that. You need to fan that into flame. And uh, so she was going to speak last week. And um, when uh, I called her when she was at summer camp, I said, you know, if you want an extra week to kind of just catch your breath from summer camp, we can swap weeks. And so I preached last week, which was really anointed on. It was really crazy. Wasn't it amazing? Thank you. Um, <laughs> she thinks so. So. But um, it was really, really cool because after the service, just like the Holy Spirit was here in so many ways, and after the service, I realized she was so sick, she didn't even make it to church. And it was going to be her very first time to preach the Sunday morning message all by herself, and she was so sick, she couldn't make it. So the Holy Spirit just kind of worked that out where I was here able to preach, and then we swapped weeks. And then I preached on Wednesday night uh, for at youth, which is really fun. And so she's here preaching today. But before you come, I know you're antsy and excited um, because she's great. But if you don't know Brooke, um, Brooke came to us, uh, you know, at a time where we were kind of like COVID and our youth pastor. You know, she was helping out our, our youth pastor. And then he got called to plant a church in Spokane. So we've been planning a church in Spokane. Some of you that are new don't even know that. And then she came into the scene, and some uh, other leaders recognized her, and then I began to recognize the leadership qualities in her. And it's been a great year, year and a half for her in this church, as she, she already had one Bible degree, and I asked her to go back and finish a second degree, and she's just finishing that second degree uh, this summer. And she got a house. She bagged a husband this last year and a half. It's been a great year, <laughs> great year in her life. And uh, anybody on the staff loves her. When she opens up her mouth to pray or preach, I'm always just impressed with her wisdom beyond her years, and she's very articulate and passionate. So would you guys just give a huge welcome to Brooke as she comes up? Come on. Good morning, good morning. I'm so excited. I feel so official. I've never preached with one of these microphones before. I feel so so cool up here. Uh, I'm so honored to be able to share the word of God with you. I feel like he has a word for us. He's going to convict us and encourage us. And I'm going to dive right in because we have a, have a lot to get through this morning. But we are finishing or still going through our series in Luke. This morning, we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 6, and I'm going to read Luke chapter 6, verse 46, and I'm just going to start us off this morning. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't know what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on a solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. And then I'm going to have us flip over to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, because they give a little bit of a more detailed version of the same passage. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds his house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you are in this place. I thank you that you are speaking. And Father, we ask that you would come and prepare our hearts. Would you soften our hearts? Jesus, we just want to hear from you. We want to walk out of this building looking more like you. So come and have your way in our hearts this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, I don't know if you know a lot about this passage, but leading up to Luke chapter 6, Jesus is giving what is called the Sermon on the Mount. You might be familiar with it. But ultimately, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going through a list of all of these different things that are kind of talking about this upside-down kingdom of God. He talks about things such as loving your enemies, not judging. He talks about adultery and divorce and all of the kind of hard topics, topics that make us cringe a little bit. They're a little bit hard for us to swallow. And Jesus kind of sums up all of this, these things in this one passage. He narrows this down to this illustration that he gives about these two different men who build their houses two completely different ways. There's two different stories, yet they have the same opportunities, but there's two completely different outcomes. 
They both build houses, but only one of the houses actually ends up lasting. So as I was going through this passage, and I've read it so many different times, but I, as I was going through it, I asked myself, what is the difference between these two houses? I mean, sure, one has a foundation, but I feel like it's a little bit deeper than that. So what is, what is the difference? The difference was obedience. Have you ever struggled with obedience before? Only like two of you. Amen. <laughs> I expect to see all of you down here at the end of this message. Obedience. We've all struggled with obedience. Have you ever had somebody tell you to do something, but you disregarded what they said because you thought, no, like, it, it doesn't matter. It's going to be okay. I know better than you do. You don't need to tell me how to do this. It's going to turn out fine. Like, I got this. You don't know what you're talking about. And we kind of have this attitude as like, don't tell me what to do. Like, I got this especially in marriage. It's like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I got this. And then you're wrong. And then you have to go back and apologize. It's a very humbling moment. But maybe you thought that what they said was crazy. Maybe it was uncomfortable. Maybe you didn't listen to what whoever had something to say to you because you just, you're like, I, I got this. I'm good. Uh, for example, um, something we all disregard is the speed limit. Many of you on your way to church, you disregarded that because this morning you chose to sleep in, you chose to stop for coffee, and you thought, man, I am running late and I don't know why, so I better push the 30 to a 40 to a 50 and I'm going to speed and hope that I don't get caught this time. Don't tell me that's not you. That's me every morning. I don't know why I'm late. And as funny as an example as that may be, that is us in our walk so many times. And when I read through this story, I ask why this man would ever want to build his house upon the sand. Like, why would you ever choose to build your house upon the sand? He didn't even start with the dirt. He didn't even start with the grass. He just went straight for the sand. Like, I don't know about you, but that sounds a little bit illogical. That doesn't even make sense. Why would you begin with the sand? I think there are multiple different reasons why he would have started with this. But three, for an example, I believe convenience comfort, and cost. What this man did, it, he just tried to finish the house as fast as he could. He just tried to get that house up and going. He just wanted to get inside of it. He wanted to be comfortable. It was low cost, and it was very convenient. Sounds a little bit familiar to how we do some things, too. We don't even need to really finish to the story to know exactly what happens to this man who builds his house on the sand. I mean, we can see the impl implications a mile, a mile away. We know how this story is going to end. And I think it's so beautiful how Jesus paints this illustration because you look at this story and you say, well, yeah, that makes sense. Of course his house is going to fall. He built it on the sand. But I think Jesus is trying to make it make sense to us to get us to realize that we do that too. When it comes to disobedience, we don't really think it's that big of a deal. When it comes to our lives and what we're choosing to build our lives upon, and we choose these little things that don't align with the word of God, we don't think it's that big of a deal. Church, I'm here to tell you this morning that obedience isn't optional. I think a lot of times as believers, we think that we can accept Jesus but we can disregard the rest of the Bible. We think that we can accept the word of God. We've accepted Jesus Christ as our savior and now we think that we're standing secure. We think we're firm, we've got it, we're good to go. But then we forget to obey what he's actually told us to do. Yeah. Hebrews twelve fourteen says, pursue peace and holiness for without it, no one will see the Lord. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says that we are saved by grace, that it is a gift and it is not from works. And I think we like to stop at this verse. We say, well, I have grace and it doesn't depend upon what I do. The Bible says it's not from works. But the rest of that verse, it's interesting. It actually goes on to say, for we are Christ's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. We are created for good works. Another verse I have for you is John 3.36. It says, He who believes that the Son has eternal life, 
But he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. That's tough to swallow. This is not to say that we have to hit a mark of perfection because it's impossible, and we will never get to this mark of perfection, and that is why God sent Jesus to reconcile us back to him. He is the perfect one. But because of what Jesus has done, we now actually have this opportunity to walk in holiness, to choose obedience, to do what is uncomfortable and not convenient and is costly. God doesn't expect us to submit to him, and in that submission, in our submission to God, there should be this natural result of a holy life. Genuine faith should result in obedience. If we are believers in Christ and our genuine faith, it should, obedience just should be so natural. Matthew 7, 21. I want to reiterate Jesus' words. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. I believe that for the majority of us, a lot of us would confess to be believers of Jesus. We'd say, yeah, I've accepted him, I know him. And that confession is powerful. But that confession loses its power if there is no real proof to the confession. Because we could say all we want all day long, but if we don't walk it out in obedience, there's no proof. That just goes to show that we don't actually mean what we say. So what is the proof of our confession? It's our faith. It's our walk. Our obedience. Our, our proof is saying, Jesus, I'll obey you because I love you. I'll obey you because I love you. I was with our interns last week, and I kind of just proposed this idea to them, and I said, why? Why do you think so many believers choose to walk away, or why should believers choose to obey God's word, even though it's, it contradicts culture, and there's, there's so many different things here? And one of my students, she looked at me, and she said, well, why wouldn't you? Because if you say that you love Jesus, you're going to know that what he's asked you to do is because he loves you, and if you love him, then you're just going to obey what he says, whether or not you understand it. And I said, okay, you can preach next week. I don't need to talk about this anymore. <laughs> but it's, I'll, I'll obey you because I love you. I think there's a greater, greater level of self-examination that has to happen as we kind of ask ourselves these questions. Number one, do we really seek to obey Jesus? Are we really building our lives upon him or do we excuse our disobedience with his grace? Are we building our own kingdoms in sandcastles? Are we living short-sighted? Are we prioritizing temporary satisfaction over obedience? Because that is so easy to do. In the moment, we live narrow-sided, and all we can see is what's right in front of us. And so we compromise, we disobey, we don't think about the long picture, we don't think about God's promises, we don't think about the grand scheme of things, we just think about what I want here and now, and we do it. We say things like, oh, I'll, I'll prioritize later. I'll put Jesus first eventually, but I just got some stuff that I have to sort out right now. We say, oh, I'll stick to my convictions after I finish this TV show that I'm going through right now. I'll find a ministry to serve in when it feels right. I'll start tithing when I make more money. Everybody said amen. <laughs> I'll read the word when I have more time. But church, can I tell you something? Delayed obedience is actually disobedience. Wow. Obedience is saying, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this right now. Yeah. Delayed obedience is sitting on the couch and saying, no, I'm going to put it off till later. And then you never actually end up doing it and you kick yourself and you wonder why. It's because obedience requires a quick spirit to get up and say, I'm going to do this even though I don't feel like it. I'm going to get up even though I don't want to because I love the Lord. Yeah. Delayed obedience is disobedience. 
Those excuses that I shared with you, they really just turn out to be hundreds and hundreds of houses built upon the sand. Because when we say no to something, what we're doing is we're saying yes to something else. When we say no to Jesus, we're saying yes to building our own kingdom over here. And God's asked us to be a part of his kingdom, the kingdom that's eternal, the kingdom that's lasting. But what do we do? We spend our time building all of these little sandcastles that are going to get wiped away in one crash of a wave. And we wonder why we don't have God's blessing. We wonder why his favor isn't upon our lives. Meanwhile, we're refusing to obey. And then we wonder why we have no direction from God. When the reality is that we haven't even done the last thing that he told us to do. So what are you building your life upon this morning? Is it your career? Is it your finances? Is it an image of what you want your life to look like and you just can't get it to look like that? And you're striving and spending all of this energy trying and trying to get it to look a certain way. Is it a relationship? The end of the verse, it says it it will collapse into a heap of ruins. This isn't just an illustration that Jesus gives us because it's a good illustration. This is an illustration of what's going to happen to our lives if we don't choose to stand on Jesus. It says the destruction was beyond repair. You know, not too long ago, there was a condominium building in Miami that collapsed. An absolute tragedy. Nobody saw it coming. They don't really even know why exactly this happened. And it breaks my heart to think about the families that went to bed that night thinking they were going to wake up the next morning and that night a disaster just hit them out of nowhere. I read this article and it says, though some of this damage is minor, most of the concrete deterioration needs to be repaired in a timely fashion. The consultant wrote about the damage near the base of the structure as part of his report in 2018. He gave no indication that the structure was at risk of collapse, though he noted that the needed repairs would be aimed at maintaining the structural integrity of the building. The the damage right now in your life, it might seem minor, but the downfall that's coming is catastrophic. You may feel like the foundation that you are standing on right now is fine. You're like, I'm good. I got nothing to worry about. I'm good to go. I'm standing. We're fine. I've been doing this for years. I've I've heard the same message. I'm going to change it eventually, but right now, I'm fine. You may feel like it's not causing you any harm right now, that it's insignificant, that it doesn't matter, but I'm telling you that when the winds blow, when the rains come, when the flood comes in, and you're standing on anything but Jesus... It's going to end in a way that you never intended it for it to end. See, Jesus isn't attacking those who are building a foundation on other things. What's he doing? He's just making it known that it doesn't have to be that way. He's inviting us. It's an opportunity. He's saying, hey, I see all your sandcastles over here. I see what you're doing but I also see the storms that are coming. And if you keep this up, if you keep building, if you keep striving, if you neglect what's happening underneath, when the rains come and the winds blow, it's gonna end in something you never wanted it to end in. But if you stand over here on me, the solid rock, your firm foundation, you're gonna last, you're gonna make it, you're gonna be steadfast, you're gonna be secure. There is an opportunity to build on the rock that never moves and to rely on the Father who never fails, to trust the one who is ever faithful. But we say, well, I don't want to obey what God is asking of me because I'm going to miss out on so many different things. I'll miss out on everything else. Can I challenge that thought? That obedience doesn't restrict us. Obedience protects us. Your freedom is found on the other side of obedience. And though it feels constricting and refining right now, what God's actually doing is protecting you. He's holding you close. So where do we begin? How do we do this thing? How do we build on solid ground? I think we start by identifying those things that we've started building our lives upon. No matter how little or insignificant they may seem right now, we start identifying them. We start naming them out. We start putting them out there. 
We start by confessing them and then removing them from our lives. We no longer just hear the word of God, but we put it into practice and we obey. I have three points for us as we walk out of here today that I want you to take hold of. And they seem simple, but I promise they're fundamental and they are foundational. Number one is to know Jesus. Don't just get to know his goodness because somebody else talked about it. Get to know Jesus for yourself. Some of you, you've been coming, you've been listening, you've been hearing about Jesus for far too long, and you let somebody else's words be enough for you. And it's time to get into the word of God and let Jesus be the one who tells you that he is enough for you. And stop letting it be somebody else's words. Get to know Jesus. Spend time with him. Get in his word daily, church. There has never been a more crucial time to be in the word of God than now. To get to know his truth now. Because if we don't know his truth, then we are going to slip with culture and be okay with some things that are arising when God has told us that is not okay. Whether it be five minutes or 105 minutes, get in the word of God. Get to know his heart. Get familiar with the things that break his heart. Get familiar with the things that he loves and cares so deeply for. Deconstruct what you've been told and get to know Jesus for yourself and find out just how much he loves you. Find out just how personal he is. Find out just how much he cares about that situation that you've been walking through and he's been with you the whole time. Get to know Jesus. The second is to rely on Jesus. Because it's, it's a great thing to know Jesus, but it's another thing to put that into practice and start relying on Jesus. You know what obedience says more than anything? It says, I trust you. I trust you. And it doesn't mean that we have to understand why God's leading us a certain way. We don't have to understand why he's doing what he's doing in our lives. But obedience says, I trust you. I rely on you. I love you. And I may not understand, but I'm choosing obedience. I'm choosing to surrender and to take the weight off of myself and to put it on you. There are countless things that this world is going to tell you to rely on. But if you rely on anything, please let it be Jesus. Please let it be the rock. He's the only thing that is worthy of being reliable. And he is the only one who is never going to let you down. And right now, if you're confused what to do as you're relying on Jesus, ask yourself this question. What is the last thing that God has asked me to do? Think about it right now. What was the last thing that God asked me to do? And as obedience, to start putting this into practice, go and do that thing. Invite that neighbor. Talk to that relative. As uncomfortable is inconvenient as it is, choose today. I trust you, and I'm going to rely on you. So know Jesus, rely on Jesus, and number three, build your life on eternity. Build your life on eternity. James 4.14 says, "Our, our life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, and then it's gone. It's a while we could spend all of our lives building all of these kingdoms in the sand, satisfying our own desires, doing what we want to do, fulfilling what we want to fulfill, making the memories that we want to make. Or we could live this life with eternity in perspective. We could understand that this earth isn't our home and that one day we're actually going to be standing face to face with Jesus and suddenly everything that was once important to us is going to fall in a moment and none of that is even going to matter compared to the one that we have locked eyes with. Building our lives on eternity means reprioritizing what's really important in this life, what really matters. We spend so much time over here in our sandcastles building to make it look good, to make it satisfy what we want. But in the grand scheme of things, what really matters? People matter. Your relationship with Jesus matters. What matters? It means eliminating distractions and getting rid of any footholds that the enemy can use in our lives. Know Jesus, rely on Jesus, and build your life on eternity. What's interesting is that in both stories, in both scenarios with the houses, the winds blew, 
the rains came, and the floods came in. Church, building a foundation on Jesus doesn't prevent us from going through a storm. I think sometimes we think that if we, the moment that we build our lives on Jesus, everything else is just going to fade away. Both houses went through the same torment. Both houses went through a lot of beating. But only one stood firm. Building a foundation doesn't prevent us from going through the storm. It removes the facade. It removes the mask. It removes the face that we've put on in church around our loved ones. And what does it do? It reveals the truth about whatever that we fastened ourselves to. Some of us have pretended for a really long time. But when that storm comes, everything is going to be revealed. John 16, 33, Jesus is speaking. He says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus never promised that our obedience would prevent us from pain. He never promised that it would prevent us from the storm, from the torment, from that thing that you just can't get off your mind. But he did promise that no matter how much rain came, no matter how windy it was, no matter how strong the floods were, He promised that those things would never be able to tear us from his grip. So when the storms come, we are left with really no option but to trust Jesus, to rest in his promise, and to be assured that his promises and his word are greater than the chaos around us. Do we really believe that? Do we believe that his word and his promises are greater than the chaos around us? The storms, they reveal the strength of our faith and the depths of our foundation with Christ. And I don't know about you, but when I go through storms, I don't want my house to be ripped up from underneath me and only to find that there was nothing ever holding me secure. I don't want to be tossed and turned with the waves. A couple of years ago, we went to Hawaii on a family vacation, and we went swimming out in the ocean, and my mom and I were swimming somewhat close to each other, and I realized for a while that she had been stuck in this current, and I didn't realize that she was stuck in this current until I realized that she wasn't really, like, moving. Like, she was swimming as hard as she could, but there was no fruit. She wasn't getting anywhere, and my stepdad was over on the sand, and she didn't want him to know that she was struggling. She didn't want him to know because, you know, We don't like people to know. We like to handle things on our own until we can't. And she was she was struggling. She was trying to get out and she couldn't. So finally she she like waves me over with what strength that she had left. And I swim over there as giant and strong as I am. (laughs) And somehow, by God's grace, I was able to get her back to shore. I have no idea how that happened. It was Jesus. But that picture is a picture of so many of us. We're caught in this current, we're caught in this tide, and we're swimming as hard as we can. And we wonder why we can't get out. And it's because we've left this rock that Jesus has told us to stand on. It's because we thought that it'd be fun for a moment to swim over here when the reality is that we knew it was dangerous for our soul. I believe this, that either the waves will break you or the rock that you're standing on will break the waves. Either the waves will break you, or the rock that you're standing on will break the waves. Psalms 18.2 says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust. Standing on the rock isn't convenient. A lot of times it's not comfortable. And it will cost you everything. 
What are you standing on this morning? Would you stand with me as we get ready to go into a time of prayer? The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, and whom I will trust. I think it's easy to hear a message like this and think, yeah, but the things that I'm standing on, it's, it's all right. But it's not. Jesus is giving us an opportunity to stand on him, to not be shaken, to go through the trials and to still be standing firm, to come out on the other side and have people look at us and say, what happened to you? So I had no idea how I made it through that storm other than one thing that I know to be true, and it's Jesus. So I want you to get real with yourself this morning and ask yourself, without the mask, without the facade, without anybody looking around, what are you building your life upon? We're going to go into a, a time of worship. And this altar is open. If you just want to press into Jesus. I have two specific people that I want to talk to this morning. Number one. Maybe you've been building your life upon something other than Jesus. The storms have come and they've gone. And you feel as though the destruction that it's caused you is beyond repair. I have good news this morning. We serve a God who likes to reconstruct things. We serve a God who likes to make all things new. And no matter how long you've been building these sandcastles, in one moment you can choose to stand on the rock In one moment, you can make this decision. Maybe you've been a believer for so many years and you've chosen other things. You've put other things first. And this morning, the moment is yours to say, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not standing on these things anymore. I'm not giving in anymore. I'm choosing Jesus, no matter what it costs me, no matter how inconvenient, no matter how uncomfortable, because Jesus is worth it and I love him. Or number two, Maybe you're in here and you've built your life upon the rock and you've been a faithful believer. But that wind and those storms, man, it feels like they don't cease for you. And you're in here, you came in here with a heavy heart, you're at home with a heavy heart. And you don't feel like you have the strength to keep standing on this rock. And this morning, you want God to give you the strength to choose obedience no matter what it takes even if the storms keep hitting until you reach eternity. I believe that this morning, the Lord wants to strengthen you. He wants to meet you where you're at in your storm. So I'm gonna invite you even now, if, if that's one of those two options is you, or you just wanna come and respond and press into Jesus, we're gonna go into this song and I'm gonna pray over you. And just ask that God would strengthen and God would give you the courage to stand on him this morning. So Father, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you that you are our solid rock, our firm foundation. That Jesus, even though we go through storms and even though an easy life isn't promised to us, God, I pray that you would strengthen those who feel weak this morning. God, would you strengthen those who feel burnt down this morning. God, those who feel broken this morning. God, I pray that you would give the, your church the courage to choose obedience even when it doesn't make sense. Give us the courage to choose obedience even when it's hard. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place this morning. We give all of the honor to you. Jesus, come and have your way. In your name we pray.
spirit in this room isn't there I want to just highlight a couple things that I thought was so good today and hopefully you caught them one was a really obvious delayed obedience is disobedience isn't that true that's so so real and I thought this other one was really good obedience doesn't restrict us obedience protects us obedience protects us Living your life under the shelter of God's wing under His way is a good way to live. Doing it your own way exposes you to a lot of things that end up in scars in your life. And we've all probably experienced that as well. Brooke also mentioned maybe some of you just feel like the storm has just come and it just keeps coming and it just keeps coming. And I actually went to the altar and prayed for two people I love and it just feels like the storm for them just never stops. And um, if that's you... And the storm has come, and it just keeps coming, and you're kind of waiting for the storm to pass, and it feels like it just keeps coming. Can I remind you of this, that obedience protects you? 
Obedience is your friend. Um, when you obey God, and the Bible says very clearly that Jesus said, uh, those who obey me love me, you know. And those who obey me are showing that they love me. And I want to just pray for that person. Maybe you're here and you're just like, the storm keeps coming. Just pray for courage to keep obeying what God's asked you to do. Can we do that? Lord, there are so many counterfeits in the world today. It's easy for us to live for something that doesn't last. It's easy for us to build our lives and, and live for things, God. If we could just do this, then somehow this will change my life. And if we really think about it, all that's going to do is add more stuff. All that's going to do is add more pressure. And Lord, what we really need to do is we really need to know you. If we know you, if we love you, then God will live life as you asked us to live. So, Lord, for the person who's here today and the storm has come and it's just unrelenting, God, would that, for that person, Lord, would you, for her or for him, as they obey you, God, I pray you just be a shield of protection and that, God, life would just be sweet and, God, your favor be upon them. And, God, I pray, Lord, that other people might be drowning in the storm, but because they're obeying you, somehow they're still standing and God, you have better days ahead. Lord, I pray that our obedience would not be delayed. But that God, the moment we hear your voice, we obey it. We go back to what the last thing you told us to do and we do it. God, we see the favor of God in obeying God. Lord, thank you for meeting us here today and speaking to us today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Man, I hope you just take that word and take this time in God's presence today and just, just bask in it. Make sure you bless someone else, encourage someone today uh, in, in your relationship with God and with others. All right, God bless you. Have an incredible day.